You're listening to the Eltham Baptist Church podcast. Well, I guess today some of you will be heading out to various suburbs to try and cover all of the relatives, or maybe you're, you're hosting a dinner at home. And then uh, sometime over January, no doubt, you'll be, be perhaps heading away on a holiday for, for the lucky ones, able to get a little bit of a, little bit of a break away, and, and that's, that'll be wonderful. And so there will be many, many journeys for, for most of us. One of the lovely parts of journeys, though, is the, the welcome. Maybe even, once we arrive at our destination, the welcome home. We, um, many, many years ago, our very first pastorate was in Queensland, but family was here in Melbourne. So that little track between Melbourne and Queensland was one we took on a, on a regular basis quite a number of times over those years. And uh, my dad, being the generous man he was, would always um, spring for a motel along the way so that we would we'd break the trip and his, uh, his stingy son, Stuart, wouldn't be tempted to try and do something silly and, and drive through. Wise dad, my dad. And, uh, and so it was after a long, long day in the car, it was always such a treat to pull into this motel or that motel. And, and, uh, and more often than not, we were received with a, with a warm welcome. But of course, that wasn't, that wasn't the final stop. That was just a stopover. But those, nonetheless, those welcomes at those stopovers along the way can be, can be very, very special. Literally, a, a welcome um, means it's, it's a very simple word. It comes from, um, I, I will that you would come. In, in other words, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm glad you're here and I receive you. It was my will that you would, you would come. And so, so that literally is, is where we get the word welcome. Of all of life's journeys, perhaps the, uh, the journey of a newborn baby is, is the most thrilling and the most amazing. Last Mother's Day, um, we have a couple staying with us. Matt and Jacinta Wickstead, and uh, Matt has been one of the interns here at EBC, and, and last Mother's Day, I, I, I woke up um, in the morning, and I was praying for them, and, and I had um, a word, which I don't get necessarily very often, but I believe it was a prophetic word. I had a word for Jacinta, and it was, was quite simply, and I, I knew, knew nothing of, of the uh, uh, possible... Um, uh, arrival of one little Audrey Wickstead, but I had a word for her, and that was Happy Mother's Day, Jacinta. And uh, of course, this, you know, it, it's a brave man that um, actually delivers <laughs> such a message. And uh, so I did query the Lord on that one, and I said, hmm, are we sure about this, Lord? And uh, decided that, that yes, it was. But here's the strange thing. Instead of as I was going over it in my mind, on one occasion, instead of getting the words out, Happy Mother's Day, Jacinta, yes, I must pass this on, what came out in my mind was, Happy Christmas Day, Jacinta. And then I thought, no, I've got to get this right. Happy Mother's Day. And I thought, although the Lord got my attention, maybe there's something a little bit prophetic in that what I thought was, was an error. And uh, so, in the end, that morning, when the um, opportunity allowed or was, was there, I um, said to Jacinta, Jacinta, I just had it on my heart to, uh, to say to you, and I believe this is from the Lord, Happy Mother's Day. But here's the thing. I don't know, and I don't want to give an interpretation to this. Dangerous to do so. But, but when I first thought about it, actually, the words that came out was, 
Happy Christmas Day. And I think that that may have something to do with, with what God has in store for you. And then quickly bowed out of the conversation while I still had life in me. Um, well, unbeknownst to me, actually, that was a little prompting from the Lord. And this is, he just does these things sometimes, doesn't he? Because whilst Matt and Jacinta hadn't told a soul just the previous day, they found out that she was expecting. And they hadn't told anyone yet. And so this was just a marvelous little confirmation for what would actually be, you know, a more challenging birth. And for those of you who are a regular part of Eltham Baptist Church, um, they have shared on a number of occasions that this has been no ordinary birth. Um, little, little Audrey, um, very, very early on, they picked up some, some challenges that she was going to face. She had several, several benign tumours, a couple in her heart, a, one in her brain, some in her kidneys, these little benign tumours that were, were going to mean that, well, life is going to look just a little bit different. And there's been a lot of prayer um, being sent up for them. Now, when they started to estimate arrival dates and so forth, um, I think 7th of January was, was the one. So I was sort of questioning, you know, my prophetic status here and knowing what they do to Old Testament prophets when they don't quite hit the mark. I was a little nervous. Um, but um, um, nonetheless, I thought, well, you know, I've just delivered, delivered the message as I, as I saw fit. And uh, as the day approached, of course, um, the doctors were able to get their heads around a little bit more some of the complications um, that would be surrounding little, little Audrey, although at the time they didn't, didn't know she was she. And, uh, and so they were talking about actually um, having to deliver her early. And I thought, oh, maybe. Uh, but, but, but early was a couple of weeks ago, actually. And she's been in, in hospital since. And, and uh, just a couple of days ago, um, Jacinta was going to, they just had an update from the doctor, and she was just about to send a little text message, actually, to a number of people who had been praying to let them know that, that uh, most likely they'd be, they'd be getting out of the hospital in, in just a few weeks. But nonetheless, they had their little Christmas present. Um, Jacinta had her Mother's Day. Uh, Matt had his Father's Day. And, uh, and they can't be with us this morning, actually, because they're in at the hospital. And do you know what they're doing? They're picking up little Audrey to bring her home. So, uh, so today, they will be heading out to, to Doreen, to the, to the Wickstead clan gathering, and they will be taking little Audrey home on Christmas Day. Isn't that special? And when, of course, they get there, it will be a, oh, Audrey, welcome home. It'll be one of those beautiful welcomes, the sort of welcome that I imagine may have taken place around the time of Jesus' birth. Um, in John chapter 1, verse 9, one of the lesser-known birth narratives, because John just is a little bit more philosophical and gets straight to the point. But in, in, in verse 9, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So there was, there was a plan to this journey. The Trinity had obviously had a bit of a discussion um, how, to, how to remedy the problem of mankind. And it was decided that the Son would be sent by the Father as his emiracy. And, and so the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. There was a plan to this journey. He was coming. And then in Luke 2, 6 to 7, let me read this little birth narrative in, in Luke. So in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And so this is the little welcome moment. This is, this is that, that moment where um, Mary and Joseph, we saw it dramatized beautifully for us, um, finally arrived at a place where they could have a little bit of privacy and a little bit of quiet, and, and they were able to um, give birth, or Mary's able to give birth to baby Jesus. And um, we're told that little intimate detail of, of wrapping him in swaddling clothes or, or linen as often just to keep the limbs, limbs nice and firm and, and, uh, and tight, and they placed him in a manger. What that manger looked like, sometimes it was a trough built into the floor. Perhaps this was a more elevated one, which would have been a you know, more, more fitting, repurposed sort of a, uh, a food trough for a, for a baby. And in those actions, which, which Luke goes to the trouble of telling us, in those little, little actions there, although we don't hear the words, welcome home, little baby Jesus, after that nine months of expecting him, um, nonetheless, those actions tell us that Joseph and Mary were welcoming Jesus, and they were welcoming him home and into their lives. And here is one of those great mysteries. Um, we puzzle over this. What did Mary know? What did Jesus know? Because we are talking as the Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, as it goes on to say, it talks about the incarnate deity, uh, God who became man, Jesus. He was God, and yet he was also man. As a little baby, did he lie there thinking, can't wait to be able to get up and tell people what's going on in my head at the moment. Uh, probably not. Probably confining himself to, to all of the frailties and all of the weaknesses of, of being human. He was probably a baby just like any other baby. And he lay there just wondering when the next feed was coming. And it was in time that he would, he would grow and mature and understand um, the aspect of his nature that was also, also God. What did Mary know? Wow. As the song Mary Did You Know goes, and it's a bit of a favorite for those who enjoy Christmas carols at this time of the year, but there are some profound lines in this. Mary, did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? Did you know that this child that you've delivered will soon deliver you? When you kiss your little baby, do you know that you kiss the face of God? And that sleeping child that you're holding is actually the great I am. Did you know that, Mary? Did you know? And there she and Joseph are pondering many things in their heart, many prophecies, many words of encouragement that were spoken over the baby Jesus. But probably they didn't understand that for Jesus, this was not a stop. This was just a stopover. You see, there's a big difference between stops and stopovers. For Jesus, he would, he would come to understand that his, his life on earth was, was simply a stopover. That's not where the journey actually ends. Whilst it's wonderful to have a welcome, this one would not be actually a welcome home. 
In Luke chapter 2, we read about that moment where the little baby Jesus is now the boy Jesus. He's been taken to the, to the temple to ceremonially become an adult. And, and then, you know that story, Mary and Joseph sort of head off on their way. Three days later into their journey back home, they realize, you know, they haven't got their son with us which fascinates those of us who are parents and have taken long car trips, that you could go three days and not realize that, Johnny, when's the next stop? When's the next stop? You know, had, well, I guess they were traveling as a big extended family and, and cousins playing with one another and so forth. And in the midst of all of that, they just didn't realize, head back to Jerusalem. And there they find him in the temple. And he says that remarkable statement, didn't you know that I'd be here in my father's house? When Jesus, at the age of 12, was up in the temple, did he just, was it opened up to him in a whole new way? Did he arrive at the temple and hear a whisper from his heavenly father, God the Father, welcome home, son, welcome. He seemed to know that, that this was his place. He seemed to know that this was his father's house, and he seemed to feel very, very much at home there, did he not? And so I wonder whether Jesus heard the words, welcome there as well. And yet when he faces Pilate, and he is about to head to the cross, he tells Pilate that, well, yes, it is as you say, I am a king, but my kingdom doesn't belong to this world. I don't belong to this world. My home is not of this world. I'm, I'm not of this world. This world for me is a stopover, not a stop. That's the way it is. It's a stopover, not a stop. You see, the cradle was not a stop. And, and we do well not to just stop there with the story of baby Jesus. It's just a stopover. He came to us. And then we can look to the cross. But that, don't stop there either. The cross was a way to atone for the sin of humanity and, and to make a way for you and I to have a relationship with God. But the cross itself, too, was a stopover, not a stop. It didn't stop there. We know that Jesus rose from the grave, ascended to his Father, and there he ultimately heard the words, Welcome home. And yes, his journey was complete. He was home. But the whole point of his journey was to take us home. The whole point of his journey was to make sure that in this life we don't stop. That we understand this is just a stopover. You and I are on a journey as well. And, and in this, this life, yes, there was a day where we were born and, and uh, presumably a mom or a dad or somebody welcomed you into the world as well held you tight, thought you were cute just for a few moments, and, and welcomed you into the world. So welcome. But did you know this is not your home either? Not your final stop, not your final destination. It's just a stopover. That's all it is. Well, how do you find your way home? How do you get to that place that you were destined to go to before the beginning of time? In the mind of God, this would always be a, a stopover, but it was only a stopover so that you could find him, that you could meet the Jesus who would take you home. The disciples were bent on this. They understood. And when Jesus started to talk to them about his imminent departure, you know, I'm, I'm going to go home to the Father. I will not be with you for much longer. 
Well, they were pressing in. You know, don't go, don't go. You know, we want to hang on to you. So he has to convince them it's better that I go because if I go, do you know what I'm going to do? My father's house has many rooms and apparently the beds weren't made. So Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's what he was doing. He was going to his father's house to prepare a place for them. Good news. And he says, you know, you know the way to get to where I'm going? I said, no, we don't actually. No, we don't. You can almost imagine the panic because Jesus, of course, was talking about spiritual things here. But essentially he was saying, guys, this is just a stopover. You will join me soon. A place where we will stop and we will be home. I'm going there now to prepare that place for you. And you know the way to get there. No, what is the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How did that play out? What did that look like? We see, we see shortly after this, within a few days, Jesus is hanging on a cross. Either side of him are two thieves, two criminals. One of them just, I don't know, was fatalistic about it all, a bit of a cynic, and you know what? Just raspberry. You know, and the other ones, that's a different translation, but I can help you later. The other one is hanging on the cross and filled with remorse. He realizes, oh man, I deserve what I'm, what I'm getting right here, but what about this guy in the middle? What's the go with that? And as a little bit of an exchange goes on between them, finally, Finally, he says to his friend on the far side, you know, have you no remorse whatsoever? We deserve what we're getting. Don't you get it? But not this guy. He realizes there's something different about him. Did the disciples discuss at the foot of that cross some of the conversations that have gone on? We don't know how he knew what he knew, but he knew this. He knew that this Jesus could take him home. And he knew that his stopover was about to finish real quick. And he wanted to make sure that his final destination, his final stop was sure and secure. And so he says to Jesus, will you please remember me after we die? And Jesus says, surely you will be with me in paradise. Believing's all he had to do to go home. Jesus came to take us home. And if we would simply understand our sinful, sad state, if we would just allow a modicum of remorse to fill our soul, if we would just humble ourselves enough to say, I know I'm not the perfect being, but Jesus, would you help me with this failed stopover and would you please take me home? Would you take me to my final destination? And I believe that Jesus' words to the thief on the cross that day are good for you and for me as well. That if we simply believe, then yes, when this stopover is finished, when we go on from here to our final destination, hoping to hear those words, welcome home, we can be sure, we can be sure that we will spend eternity with Jesus in what he described as paradise. Interesting thing, it came out in the, in the play here, the next words in, 
in this little passage, she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now, this is, this is one version, no guest room. You've probably heard there was no room for them in the inn. That's the phrase we're kind of familiar with, isn't it? In the Greek, it's the kataluma. What does kataluma mean? Well, it can mean inn, but it could also mean dining room or guest room. In other words, there are perhaps two different ways to read this passage. The traditional way, and that is, you know, they went to the local motel and there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the motel. There was no welcome for Jesus. Or the other way to read it is that actually they, they didn't go to a motel. It wasn't a big town. How many inns were there? And you're talking about a culture that practiced incredible hospitality. Maybe actually they were with family and maybe there was no room in the guest room, as it were. But they would need privacy. This was a birth. This was a, this was a private, private affair. And, and there with a midwife, Mary just needed a, just a little bit of privacy. And so in the adjoining stable, they, they made room. There was no room in the guest room, but they made room in the stable, cleaned it out, made it nice, set it up so that there was a welcome for Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Two different, different ways to, to read it. Either A, there was no room in the inn and there was no welcome, or B, there was no room in the guest room, but we will make room for you in the stable. And there was a welcome there. I wonder, which is it for you today? Are you a little bit more like the, the innkeeper rendering? There's no room here. Jesus, I kind of got my life. I'm liking my stopover the way it is. There's no room here. There's no welcome. I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. Or could you find it in your heart to think bigger, to think beyond the stopover to the stop and to think about it this way? I think it's about time that I did make room for you. <laughs> I think that it's, it's about time that I started to think about life as a stopover and what is my final destination? I want to hear those words, welcome home. I want that for my life. And it's about time that I make room. There has been no room in my life for Jesus up until this point in time, but I'm going to make room. I'm going to welcome him. Well, today... Christmas Day is a fabulous day, the best day to make room, to welcome Jesus home. And if you haven't done that yet, I would encourage you to simply believe in him, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He can make a way for you to the Father, for a relationship that is not good just for this life and stopover, but for all of eternity, your final destination so that you might hear those wonderful words, oh son, oh daughter, welcome home. Would you like to hear those words? You simply have to believe. Let me pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for today and for this wonderful celebration and the reminder that we shouldn't stop here. You didn't. You didn't stop in a cradle, nor did you stop at the cross but you went home to your final destination to make a way for us to go to ours. And I pray that all of us today, Lord Jesus, would make room for you, would welcome you. Many of us have already done that, and yet we can, 
we can continually make more and more room for you in our lives, but there may be some here today who, yeah, that's not something that I've yet done. And maybe even this morning, you're not close to the idea. It's just not something that you've gotten around to. I invite you this morning to join me in this little prayer. It's a very, very simple one. It's a prayer of belief. It's a, it's a prayer of coming home. And if you're open to and you've never done this before, listen to my prayer, repeat it in your heart and make my words your words. Lord Jesus, I know you're not a baby. I don't understand everything about you, but I do believe that you came to earth. I do believe you went to the cross and I do believe that on that cross, you took my sin and you paved the way for me to come home. I don't want to get stuck in a stopover, not when I'm meant for so much more. I want to have that wonderful assurance that one day I will be received into your arms and I will hear the words, welcome home, the ultimate welcome home. Please forgive me for not making room in my life up to this point. But right now, this morning, Christmas Day 2015, I'm making room for you. Would you please come home? And then would you take me home? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Eltham Baptist Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or simply pay us a visit, go to www.elthambaptist.net.